You want to know another reason why I'm optimistic about the Bearcats this season? It's because the worst case scenario won't even be that bad. You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. this March 8th. Thank you very much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day, free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, excuse me, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today. To get started, my name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats. We are, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So, a lot of you might be wondering, and I was thinking about this yesterday at work. I've become a Ben Bryant defender. I, I, I really have. And I recognize that and to a degree admit that. But the Bearcats' worst case scenario. I detailed that a few weeks ago. And the worst case is that they're four and eight, three and nine, something like that. But remember four and eight in 2017 and how that felt like rock bottom being in the American Athletic Conference? No shot at playing for a conference championship, no shot at a bowl game, let alone the college football playoff. I mean, I remember two things about that season. And that was my freshman year at Cincinnati. One, there were two kids, and this was in CCM Circle. There were two students who walked past me and joked, college football playoff, here we come. I think I even laughed at that. And then number two, I asked my roommate, one of my roommates, I said, could the Bearcats ever go to the college football playoff? And he goes, yeah, it's so hard to do that because you got to go undefeated you got to have a lot of things happen around you. And what's interesting is, what's interesting is, the Bearcats did that. But 2017, when they were 4-8, and eight, felt like rock bottom. It felt like the Bearcats weren't included. It's like, why am I a Bearcats football fan? Why is my college football program in this position. In that year, Alabama wins their fifth national championship in nine years. The Bearcats couldn't even beat UCF. No one could that year. They couldn't beat USF, and they couldn't even beat SMU. They couldn't even beat Navy. I mean, they barely beat Tulane for what it's worth that year. They barely beat UConn for what it's worth. This was a proud program at the depths of college football, irre- of college football irrelevancy. I wrote relevancy in my notes. Maybe that was just positive thinking. But this year, if the Bearcats happen to go 4-8, which is a possibility, I'm not going to rule it out. If the Bearcats go 4-8, is it going to be because, and ask yourself this question, because I I, I caught myself asking myself this question earlier yesterday preparing for today's show. I asked myself, is that a product of Cincinnati? Or is it a product of them playing better competition? I think it's the latter. 
I don't think if Cincinnati goes 4-8, it's going to be a result of them being a bad team. I think it's going to be they just ran into better competition than they faced in the American the previous however many seasons, 10 and 6 under Luke Fickle. The Big 12 is going to be a challenge. By the way, since 2017, every season but two, the Big 12 has put a college has put a team in the college football playoff. And for what it's worth, TCU won the Big 12's first ever playoff game. Not Oklahoma, who went to three straight in 17, 18, and 19. Like, remember, you'd watch teams like Oklahoma, you'd watch teams like Alabama, you'd watch Ohio State, you'd watch Michigan, or they didn't make the playoff, but you'd watch teams like that, LSU with Joe Burrow, who was almost a bear cash, do a show on that this offseason. But what's interesting is college football is so fun because of the tradition, the pageantry, the pride, the pomp and circumstance, recruiting, etc. And when the Bearcats were bad in 2017, you wanted so badly to be a part of that, to be on ABC on Saturday at noon or to have those marquee games. And it was a gradual, long grind. But guess what? The Bearcats did it. The Bearcats got to the playoff. This year, and by the way, and this leads into my point, the Bearcats are now in the Big 12. 4-8 and eight in the Big 12 is a lot better than 4-8 and eight in the American. I think what this season could be like for Cincinnati is a lot like Notre Dame in 2016. Notre Dame in 2016 went 4-8. But if you remember Notre Dame that season, and I do because I grew up a Notre Dame fan, in addition to being a Bearcats fan, do you, if that's even possible, I maybe should not have disclosed that, but that's just who I was. I was a Notre Dame fan even before Brian Kelly went there or left UC to go coach Notre Dame. So I remember that 2016 season. And I never thought Notre Dame was a bad team. They were really good offensively. They were just terrible defensively. They were in a lot of close games. They were bowl. They were in contention for a bowl game up until the second to last week of the season. They lost a three-point game to Virginia Tech at home under a first-year head coach, and that pretty much ended the season. I think that's what I think that's how the Bearcats' season is going to look going to play out. That doesn't mean they're going to go four and eight. The defense is going to be really good. They're going to be in a lot of entertaining games. The offense is going to be a work in progress. There's going to be question marks. Can Emory Jones or Ben Bryan, whoever starts, can they lead the Bearcats to wins in close games? Because they will be in close games a lot this season. You thought last year they were in a lot? This year will be more. And by the way, every game is close last year. So it really should be nothing new for the Cincinnati Bearcats as far as playing in a close game. But the point is this. 4-8 in the Big 12 is not a result of the Bearcats being a bad team. It's going to be a result of, of being in a much better conference against better competition. Defense is going to be better. Remember how awful the Bearcats' defense was in 2017? That's not going to be the case this year. The Bearcats are going to have – they didn't have a good side of the ball in 2017. It's the reason why they lost games 51-23 in a range-shortened game or 33-3 or 38-24 or 48-20. That's not going to happen this year in the Big 12. I'm confident in saying that. Maybe it'll happen once. Maybe it will happen twice. By the way, in the two years when the Bearcats went undefeated, in the two years where they went undefeated, they only lost two games, 
27 and 6 to Alabama. Okay, that's Alabama. And then by three points to Georgia. And two of those points came on a safety on some wacko play in the last seconds because that's what happens in situations like that. If Cincinnati goes 4 and 8, and, I, and again, I don't think they will. It's not going to be ugly. They're going to be in a lot of games. Defense will be good. And the point is, this is going to be a competitive team with a head coach who has coaching experience at the Power 5 level. All due respect to Luke Fickle. He didn't have a lot of coaching experience coming into year one. And for as much as us, and, and for as much as we tried to convince ourselves that Cincinnati was going to be was going to be a, a maybe a bowl eligible team. The reality was we didn't really know who Luke Fickle was a head coach. They had a very, very underwhelming roster that was damaged by Tommy Tuberville. Remember Caroline Fenton on this show last week telling me you don't want your first-year head coach to damage the program? Well, Tuberville damaged the program over the course of four seasons. Fickle rectified it and then built it into a top-four team. Satterfield's coming in. He has an opportunity to not damage it, which that should be the below the baseline. He's going to come in and potentially reignite this offense if the Bearcats can get some offensive linemen and wide receivers. Coming up, how Ben Bryant was last year is who Desmond Ritter once was. I'll get into that after I tell you all how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three strain plus. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand-new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Back here, Locked On Bearcats, Alex Frank with you, your host each and every day. So it's so interesting to me. I, I said in, uh, before I went into why the Bearcats' worst-case scenario won't even be that bad this season, that I've become a Ben Bryant defender. And I admit that I have. But there's one... But there, but there were reasons why. Someone commented on, and, and I shouldn't say com- commented like that. Somebody commented on our YouTube video yesterday saying inconsistent passing and decisiveness, or I'm sorry, inconsistent passing and accuracy, or something along those lines, were the reasons why the Bearcats lost the game against Arkansas. He told me to go back and rewatch the game. Well, spoiler alert, I have. Spoiler alert, Ben Bryant is the reason why the Bearcats had a chance in that game. If you want to say Ben Bryant is the reason why the Bearcats lost the game at Arkansas, that's fine. Um, okay, but do you remember in the third quarter when the Bearcats recovered a fumble inside the five-yard line and moved backwards because they couldn't get set and they could not fall and they could not not fall start? Do you remember that? 
Or do you remember when they were knocked out of field goal range because of false start and a holding penalty on Jeremy Cooper? Do you remember that? Oh, and do you remember how they gave up 400 plus, I think it was like 474 yards to Arkansas? That sure-handed Black Cats defense? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you remember that? So you want to say Ben Bryan lost the Bearcats the game. Okay, fine. He did throw a pick in the first half. He wasn't very good in the first half. But in the second half, man, he was pretty damn good. So you can believe that he cost the Bearcats the game. I'm not saying he did. In the games that in the big games Ben Bryan played in, he was not the reason why the Bearcats lost. The Bearcats lost the two games they lost with Ben Bryan starting because their defense could not get stops when it mattered most. That's why they lost the game. When your best asset of your team does not play at its best, it typically is the reason why you lose a game if you end up on the losing end. Ben Bryant, by the way, almost threw for 300 yards against UCF. Just going to throw that out there. Ben Bryant threw for over 300 yards at Arkansas. Just throwing that out there. So, don't, so again, you can believe what you want to believe. But it's interesting. I wonder if that person who commented was a Ben Bryant defender when Desmond Ritter was struggling. Remember when Desmond Ritter was actually struggling? Oh, yeah, there was a time when there were many people who wanted Ben Bryant to start. My roommate, Sean, wanted Sean McMahon. You've heard him on the show before, produced at iHeartMedia. And my successor at Bearcast Media, he wanted Ben Bryant to start over Desmond Ritter. I thought he was crazy every time he said that because I believe Desmond Ritter was the, was the right quarterback. Desmond Ritter could run. He was a good thrower, short route, uh, short routes intermediate. But there was a time Desmond Ritter in 2019 was struggling. In fact, I was happy he was benched for the uh, um, final regular season game. Not because I didn't want him to play and because I wanted him to be hurt, but because I thought Ben Bryant gave the Bearcats the better chance in that game. And he damn nearly pulled it off. But Ritter was hurt a lot in 2019. He had a shoulder injury. He ultimately did not play in that final regular season game. Ben Bryant dealt, dealt with a lot of injuries in 2022, if you, if you recall. He dealt with an elbow injury. He dealt with a concussion. He dealt with a broken foot that ultimately ended his season. Ben Bryant also hasn't had the opportunity on a big stage enough to really break through and deliver. And maybe Scott Satterfield can unlock something that maybe hasn't been there. I might be talking off my rocker here, and that's okay. Do I believe Ben Bryant will be the starter? No. Do I think he can be the starter? Yes. That's where you have to understand me here. You're only going to hear that Ben Bryant, that I think Ben Bryant can start, and you're going to run with it and say, what the heck are you doing? You can say that. But I'm just saying what I believe. My role on this show is to be realistic. I'm going to be optimistic because that's who I am. But I'm also going to be realistic, and I'm going to tell you what I think, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm the voice of reason. And the reasonable take here is Ben Bryant has a better chance than you think of being a starting quarterback. Now, Russ could come on here if we have a live room this week, which, which um, update, I'm not sure if we'll have a live room this week or not, due to spring practice um, later today at 3 and then tomorrow at 3. But what I can tell you is this. I think Ben Bryant has a chance to win the starting job, more so than we think. So Ritter has a game in 2020. Back to why I say Bryant reminded me a lot of Ritter. 
Brian was inconsistent last year. He was inaccurate at times. Ritter was too early on. There was a game in 2020 against South Florida. That South Florida team was terrible. Ritter throws three picks, and the Brian train was rolling. But do you remember what happened after that? Ritter goes on a five-game stretch reminiscent of Lamar Jackson in 2016. And then he has an unbelievable season in 2021, 33 touchdowns, seven picks. Bearcats go to the college football playoff. You remember that. But do you remember when you clamored for Ben Bryant to start? Do you remember when you were when Ben Bryant was a backup and you loved him? Now it's the other way around. But Bryant was once, but Ritter was once Bryant, who Bryant is now. I'm just going to throw that out there. Perhaps Bryant just hasn't had that breakthrough game yet like Ritter has. Or did. It took Ritter a while to get going. And maybe Ben Bryant, if given that opportunity to start this year, will have that breakthrough season. But again, realistically, I don't think he will start. But there's a chance. Coming up, remember this time of year in 2012? I'm going to tell you the do's and don'ts for this year's Bearcats men's basketball team in the AAC tournament. I'll get into that after we hear from two of our sponsors. So we all remember 2012, right? I remember exactly where I was the night of, oh, don't tell me the date, um, March 11th. Is that right? Yeah. March 11th of 2012. I was at my, I was at um, um, Shabbat services that night. My cousin led the services that night. His class did. And then my dad and I go to Grader's Ice Cream because naturally, but that's just what we do in Oakland. And so we're listening to the UC game. And they're about to beat the number two team in the country, which at the time was Syracuse. That Syracuse team was pretty dang good. Bearcats had played them tough in the regular season at Fifth Third Arena. In fact, they led at halftime of that game. But the Bearcats beat Syracuse that night. Now, I remember my uncle was there, um, God rest his soul, and my aunt was there, my cousins were there. It was a fantastic night. There, we were all a greater celebrating. Um, sorry, every time I mention my uncle, um, which very sadly passed away five years ago, I just, I really miss him, I love him beyond words. Biggest inspiration to this day. Um, so, again, God rest his soul, because that really hits me hard at times. Cincinnati wins the game that night. That's the semifinals of the Big East tournament. This year could be a very similar experience. The Bearcats are likely going to play the number one team in the country in the semifinals should they get out of the quarterfinals against Temple. In the semifinals, they're going to likely meet number one CD, number one ranked Houston. Houston is the number one seed as well in the American tournament, of course. What's interesting to me is the the similarities between this tournament and the 2012 tournament. If you remember the Bearcats in the quarterfinals in 2012, they beat Georgetown 72-70 in double overtime. Well, the Bearcats just played Temple in an overtime game less uh, two weeks ago tonight. Bearcats won that game. And it's going to be a physical bloodbath in the conference tournament, most likely. You get out of that game. Then you got to face Houston. But the Bearcats beat Syracuse in 2012. How'd they do it? Well, you look back at that game and you look at the box score. They were 10 of 22 from three. They had 17 assists. 
they did have 14 turnovers. Really not sure how that happened. Uh, Syracuse, by the way, they had uh, 15 turnovers. So a lot of turnovers in that game for both teams. But Cincinnati was 17 assists. If you wonder who led the team in assists that night, it was Kashmir Wright with eight. 18 points from Sean Kilpatrick and Yancey Gates. 11 points from Deion Dixon and Kashmir Wright in that game. Nine points from, from Jaquan Parker. So a good night for Cincinnati. Three-point shooting and moving the ball. Won them that game. It can do it again this week against Houston if they play. So that's the do. Beat Temple in the 4-5. Bearcats were the four seed in the conference tournament in 2012. They beat number one seeded Syracuse, who was number two in the country. By the way, they were behind only Kentucky, and that Kentucky team, as we know, was one of the great basketball college basketball teams in history. Cincinnati then, in 2012, played Louisville in the championship game. Louisville was a seven seed in the tournament. Louisville, that Louisville team was good. And that team went to the Final Four. They had Russ Smith, Peyton Siva, before we really saw how good they were the next year when they won the national championship. And the Bearcats lost the game 50-44. to 44. They, they, they played well defensively, but they couldn't score enough points. Shocker, I know. But my point is this, and I'm going to touch on this potentially if the Bearcats do play Houston this weekend. You remember the movie Miracle, or if you've read any account of the Miracle on Ice team in 1980 in the Winter Olympics. If you remember that tournament and that run, the U.S. men's hockey team, of course, beat the Soviets, Miracle on Ice. And then they, but people don't realize that was not the gold medal game. That was a semifinal game. They played Finland in the gold medal game. They won that game 4-2, to two, but they trailed 2-1. And Herb Brooks said to his team, you lose this game, you'll go to your bleeping grave. Something along those lines. I forget the exact wording. That's how it's going to feel. If you beat the number one seed, Houston, and you're probably going to face Tulane or Memphis in the championship game on Sunday. And not only do you have to win that game to win the conference tournament, that's your NCAA tournament lives. Win the game, you go to the tournament. Lose, then beating Houston was was for not. That's the don't. Do what the 2012 team did by winning in the semifinals. Don't do what they did by losing in the championship game. If this plays out the way that that 2012 season did. I want to finish with this. Sad news yesterday. uh, Bearcats, now former Bearcats women's basketball head coach Michelle Clark heard uh, and the Bearcats program uh, parting ways. Uh, moving on from her, I, I do feel I do feel bad for her because I had the chance to broadcast their games her first two seasons, and I commentated one game her, her my senior season, which was her third. I really, I really um, wish this could have played out differently because. What I saw her first two seasons were seeds of a program that was turning a corner. I saw a team that played hard. I saw a team that played together. I saw a culture on display. I saw a head coach who had such a love and affection for her players. I saw a lot of things that made me think the Bearcats women's basketball program was going to be fine. By the way, it wasn't parted ways. Um, She was fired. That's even worse. 
This past season, the Bearcats went 9-21. and They finished last place uh, in the American Athletic Conference. Um, according to the story on GoBearCats.com, this was announced by Director of Athletics John Cunningham. Uh, Clark Hurd was the head coach of the Bearcats for five seasons, a record of 74 and 75. And I just, I really do think this program never got over COVID. They never got over um, losing those four seniors and those four great players from 2020, Antoinette Miller, Sam Rogers, Angel Reiser, Florence Sifa, adding Amari Thomas, um, who was the best player on that team by far. Uh, an incredible first two seasons, a lot of good wins. There was real genuine hope. Genuinely liked what she brought, made the program really enjoyable to watch. And now it's going to be really interesting to see how that program transitions to the Big 12 because, you know, it just we, we talk about the men's basketball program a lot and how they fell off a cliff almost in 2021. The women's program has never recovered from the season post-COVID. And that's really sad to see because I genuinely really thought they were bound to great things under Michelle Clark. Her recruiting was good. Um, fans were going to games. Justin Williams profiled a piece in the athletic after they just lost to UConn at home. That was a fun game to commentate. Shout out Ethan Bastard, my color, my color analyst. Um, the Bearcats just, they never, they never got better. And that's sad. Anyway, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. For your second listen today, check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We got a loaded slate of conference tournament games today. I don't think there's any championship games, but you got a lot of first round. Oh, yeah, you do have one championship game, and that is the Southland championship game tonight at 5 o'clock on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Other than that, you have a lot of first round games, second round games, quarterfinal games, a lot of power five conferences getting their tournaments. Oh, and you got the Patriot League, the Penn Fed Credit Union Patriot League Championship Final, Lafayette and Colgate, CBSSN tonight at 7.30. First round of the Big East. You got the first round of the Pac-12, Big Ten, SEC. You've got the second round of the ACC. You've got the Big 12 first round getting underway tonight at ESPN on ESPN. Let me confirm this. ESPNU at 7, Texas Tech, West Virginia. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at 9.30. The Phillips 66 Big 12 Championship. And then the Big Sky Championship Final. It's tonight at 11.30 on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Three finals, or two of the finals, the Southland and Big Sky. We did not know the matchup at the time of this recording. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. Instagram, Alex Frank, not underscore an email. Alex Frank, nine underscore email. It's alex3frank at gmail.com. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Happy birthday to my friend Grace, who turns 23 years old today. And, and it is her goat year. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats.